0: So we're going to be in Colossians 1, uh, really verses 11 through 14 this morning. And what Jeff did a great job of of covering in verses 3 through 10 last week was the, the emphasis on relationships and how we can be encouraged by relationships as they minister, as people in our past have ministered to us. That's one of the great takeaways that I had because uh, he, he had a stop in the middle of the service and reflect on people who have uh, influenced us spiritually. And we prayed and thanked God for those folks. And uh, it just, it, it took me on a, a journey of remembrance for those folks that it had invested in me through my life. And still some that are, are continuing to do that today. And I'm just thankful for them. And that was just one of the highlights of, of the message. Um, So what I want to do is I want us to go ahead and read verses 11 through 14 this morning. So let's uh, tune our hearts and minds to God's words right now. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says in verse 11, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins I want to start with this glorious thought this morning and that is this when we are united with Christ there is a Bountiful product that is given to us. And I, I love that little phrase because it is not something that, oh, we just get. It is bountiful, right? When you think about the cornucopia at Thanksgiving, it's all of these things. I love sitting with my family at Thanksgiving. We, we actually tend to meet in, uh, at our lake house in Alabama. It's my parents' lake house. We take the table outside, and we take all the food outside on the lawn. And it is, I mean, we got, what, 21 people, 22 people, like something like that. So it's a long banquet table, and it's flooded with food all around it. And there's more than we could ever eat. It's bountiful. And the bountiful product that we have in Christ, get this, is that we are qualified. I don't know about you but there's a lot of times I don't feel qualified but in Christ we are qualified I I, I, fortunately I don't get to do lots of job interviews I don't remember the last time I did one actually I do it's when I came here so that was almost 17 years ago so I don't do those things Ryan you're gonna get to do that soon if hopefully you've already been doing some and they're gonna ask you in those job interviews right What qualifies you for this job? And you have to start listing all the things that that qualify you, right? Here's the thing when it comes to our relationship with God, we are qualified for the kingdom. Well, look, look at what it says to share in the inheritance of the saints. Why? Because we're in Christ. Because we're simply in Christ. You are qualified to receive the inheritance of the good things of Jesus Christ. Great news. We could walk away right there, but there's tons more that I get to pack in this morning. So um, let's keep going. So how do we then live? I think this is what Paul starts to identify earlier in this. It's it's that he's going to this great truth about our qualification because of who we are in Christ. But he says you need some things to to make sure that you survive until you gain that inheritance for what you're qualified for. So here's what you need. Look at verse uh, 11. He says, may you be strengthened with all power. Now, I, I love this. And I think that that you'll see this because look at what he says further um, in this. He says, according to his glorious might. So our strength and power are not uh, something that we actually contribute to. He's saying that you can be strengthened, that you can be empowered because of who Christ is. And because Christ is all-sufficient, guess what? The power and strength that we have is all-sufficient because of it comes straight from Christ. Now, let's, let's talk about this, because I, I think these are really cool things. Uh, little nuggets packed in here. So when you look at this, the strength and power that we are given are for a purpose. And did you get these two things in the end of verse 11? They are for all endurance and patience. Okay? Now, let's talk about this idea of endurance for just a little bit. Endurance deals with circumstances. So when you're faced with tough circumstances what do you need? You need the ability to endure those situations. Look over at Philippians 4. So you you probably won't even have to flip a page, likely. It may be right there on the left. Okay, Philippians 4. We're going to read verses 11 through 13. Paul here writes something very, very similarly. Okay, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation, there we go, situation, endurance for situations, I am to be content. Isn't that great? So here's what he says further. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry and abundance and need. Here's how. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hmm. When Christ is present in your life, you have the ability to live in every situation our circumstance with contentment and to endure now let me say this i'm gonna pick on my brother for a second you know where i'm going katie my brother we were uh, out on the lake one day and he was trying to get his son to teach him how to water ski and he's like you can do all things through christ who strengthens you that's not about water skiing (laughs) okay that is not that verse is not to be quoted so you can jump out of a plane without a parachute and, and land Okay, safely. (laughs) You can land, but not safely. Okay, That is not what that, I can do all things through Christ. That is not what that's about. It's about being content in every circumstance so that in every situation you can overcome because Christ is in you and he is the one who provides for your every need. And it's about contentment, finding your satisfaction and fulfillment in Christ and him alone. And how many times do we try to do that apart from him? See, that's when we fail. That's when our contentment, we we start to struggle in those situations because we're looking for something other than Christ to find contentment in. That's where we won't endure. So if we come back to Colossians 1, he has given us all power in Christ and qualified us so that we can endure in every situation because Christ strengthens us for those circumstances. Great news, isn't that? Because how many of you may not be facing issues today where you need to be encouraged or strengthened, but you know (laughs) they're coming on the horizon at some point, right? We will all experience that. Why? Because Christ uses situations in our lives to create struggles so that we would become dependent on him prayerfully and practically so that our character is changed and we understand the hope of glory. That's the biblical principle. So he will put you in places where you have to endure. Now let's look at the next one. So that's endurance. The second quality right there is he says that we need to be patient. You see that in the last part of verse 11? So that he's given us all power and uh, will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. Endurance is about situations. Patience is about people and relationships. <laughs> see, we're not just equipped for one area. We're equipped for a second area in relationships. Uh, patience enables us to... Uh, look at people when we are wounded so that we don't become enraged or bitter and we don't strike back and we don't become ruined internally because of some festering wound. Isn't that amazing? Because guess what? We're going to be hurt by relationships. There's some kind of wounding that will take place. And what we need is to patiently wait and see how God is going to redeem that relationship so that we walk rightly with him that's what patience is about so that it will enable us and let's follow through with scripture he says with joy giving thanks to the father so patience enables to look to god for joy and thanksgiving with the expectation expectation that he will deliver us from the misery of that relationship struggle as we lean into his mercy does that make sense Good stuff right there. So uh, now, this inheritance, all of this is what gives us this inheritance. Okay, as Christ is working in us. Look, let's look at what he what this looks like now. So as he's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light in verse twelve. I uh, was studying this, and one of the things that that came across some of the the comments that i was reading as i was studying this was really really amazing and i i, I want to share this with you because i think this is really the most powerful part of this idea and that is this that when we read the next two verses 13 and 14 again we're going to see something here that enables us to one grab a hold of this truth personally two is going to enable us to grab a hold of this truth so that we can share this with others and I think that's, that's something that all of us as a church and as individuals need to, to grow more confident in, is our ability to share the gospel. And what these two verses are, are this, they're a compact gospel. If you ever said, how do I share my faith with somebody, go right here to Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. Memorize this passage, because this is the gospel in a nutshell. So let's read this together. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And transformed us, or transferred us, I'm sorry, transferred us into ke- into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now let me give you a, a little uh, hint here. It's really cool if you if you ha- have a minute with me, turn over to Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. This is one of those places where you start realizing how great Paul was in writing and how his message was so consistent. Look at verse. Uh, Ephesians 1 verse 7 it says in him we have redemption through his blood isn't that what we just read in Colossians 1 now he adds in this here in Ephesians uh, through his blood the for, and then he goes the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace it's almost the exact same uh, wording in the Greek in both Ephesians 1 7 and Colossians 1 13 14 and the, the difference is he adds just a couple of phrases but there's that consistency with Paul and so we get this great gospel picture that occurs over and over and over as he elevates the gospel message to these various churches. So let's let's take a look at what he's meaning by this. Um, and I, I want to do this by actually turning back to Genesis 3 for just a minute. Look at Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15. This is a really interesting passage. And I I know I've referenced this a lot, oftentimes. But I want to do this in this context again because I think it gives us a clear picture of the gospel as well and helps expand the idea of Colossians 1. So in verse 14 of Genesis, it says, of Genesis 3, "'The Lord God said to the serpent, "'Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock "'and above all beasts of the field. "'On your belly you shall go, "'and dust you shall eat all the days of your life.'" Now, this is where it gets really interesting. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That verse 15 right there is one of these great pictures and prophecies about the the coming of Christ, his death, but also uh, his resurrection in a sense, and then the the death of, of Satan or the destruction of his power. Now, how many of you saw The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson a couple years ago? Okay. Everybody raise your hands really really good. Uh, If you have not seen that, look around, see who has, okay? And I want to encourage you, you need to watch that. Juliana, you haven't seen it. You're watching it this Easter, okay? Because it's a phenomenal movie. I get to control what's on the TV at our house. So, she's watching it. Um, Do you remember the scene when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane? And I love how Mel Gibson uh, directed this scene because I think he stretched the biblical scene in truth but he brought in the picture of Genesis 3 because Jesus is on the ground in agony uh, praying over what he's about to endure with the, the trial, the crucifixion uh, and, and he's sweating these drops of blood because he's in so much in, intense uh, agony about this and, and uh, stress and Mel Gibson Uniquely, has this character who's depicting Satan off to the side in dialogue with Jesus, and as Jesus is on the ground kneel, bending uh, in prayer, this serpent comes out of the gown of the character of Satan, and Jesus it starts to move of his hand. Jesus stands up, and then they enter in this dialogue, and then Jesus stomps the head of the serpent, and then Jesus is going to go off to his crucifixion. Mel Gibson got that concept from Genesis 3.15. I remember watching that and just weeping. Weeping at that picture of the gospel. Because what Christ has done is he has defeated death and sin on the cross through the resurrection. And there's no greater thing that we could celebrate. I, I was sharing this. That another image came to mind. I'm, I'm a Lord of the Rings guy. I love the, the, the trilogies and The the hobbit books themselves are just powerful reads and uh great great movies and there's this one scene in the lord of the rings i think it's in the the first one um it may be the second i can't remember the the, the exactly right now but there's this picture where uh the morlog is a uh, which is this big demonic fiery creature is chasing the fellowship and they go across this little stone bridge it's wide enough for them to to run across one by one and gandalf turns around as the morlog is coming Uh, back uh, to chase them as he's starting over the bridge and Gandalf slams his staff down and says you shall not pass the bridge crumbles and the Morlog starts to tumble down into this abyss if you remember the scene I'm sorry if I'm ruining it spoiling it for you but the Morlog whips his little fiery whip up in the air and it grabs hold of Gandalf And it pulls Gandalf off the bridge. And he's clinging to the bridge. And he says, fly, you fools, to the rest of the fellowship. And then he tumbles into the abyss. And everybody, we assume that Gandalf has died. The next time we see Gandalf, he is no longer Gandalf the Grey. Who is he? Yeah, he's resurrected. He, He is this Christ figure that has gone into the abyss... the pull of the heel of the enemy but he's come back to life and he brings a new life to the fellowship in his provision great little picture and that's the beauty of the gospel isn't it that christ had to suffer that that he paid the penalty for our sins upon the cross his heel was bruised because he rose from the dead it was not a final death for jesus but for the enemy, and you can read 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about how death has been overcome. There's The sting of death has been done away with by Christ and his victory. What a great picture. And that's what we get here in Colossians. This incredible picture of these things. Now, now here's, let me, let me take this a little bit further, okay? Because I think this is where when we start looking at what the gospel really is for us in a practical sense, look back at verse 13. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. I want to stop there just for a minute. I want you to think about what your life was like before you knew Christ. What, what was the darkness that you were in? Yeah, I can shake my head Can't too with you, Brad. You know, and I'm not asking you to answer, okay? I, I, but I want you to remember that. I know my darkness was awful. It, it was destroying me inwardly, emotionally, spiritually. I was numb at best, and, and I was overcome by that darkness in misery. And I think about physical darkness itself. I, I don't like the darkness unless I'm really, really intentional about it. I, I've, I've been in a, a, a cave called um, the Underground Sea over in East Tennessee, and in that cave, we, we, as college students, we actually got to spend the night in the cave. You talk about an eerie, eerie feeling when they turn off all the safety lights and there's total darkness. You, you sit there and you think, well, I can still see something. After a couple minutes, you just realize that's your mind playing tricks on you that you're able to see. Because when that total darkness begins to settle in you, it, it is just numbing. It, it is just amazingly odd. That's the best way I could describe it. It's just there's there's no way to really describe it. Utter darkness. I love going out to Colesrine Christian camp at night. You know why? Because when you get out to Adams, out in that little area, you lose the light pollution. You know what light pollution is? The city lights don't bother you anymore. You you get you lose the glow and you can see the sky. And and when you come back from Adams that way, down Kenny's Road, you can actually see Springfield light pollution, you can actually see the Nashville light pollution, and it's an amazing thing. There's nothing though like true darkness. And here's the thing, what God has said in his word right here through Paul, he says through Jesus we have been been delivered from the domain of darkness. That is great stuff. Can I tell you about this word domain for just a minute. It's an interesting word. It's the same word that's used in Ephesians 6 to describe the authorities of of darkness there that when Paul's writing about spiritual warfare. So the same word, why would it be translated as authority and domain? I started studying that a little bit. Here's the idea. When we think about the domain of darkness that we live in uh, before Christ, the idea is that that is what has jurisdiction over us, authority and domain. So I, I was thinking about this I, I, because I speed. I'm terrible. Y'all do it too. Y'all are terrible. Um, I, I always think about this for some reason when I drive down to our parents' lake house because we travel through Tennessee, then through a little bit in the corner of North Georgia, and then into Alabama. And for some reason, in that little path, I always think, I wonder if I'm speeding and then the Georgia State Trooper were to follow me into Alabama, would they have jurisdiction to give me a ticket? I know, I'm just weird that way, okay? But that's the idea, okay? Jurisdiction, authority, domain. See, apart from Christ, we're in the, under the authority, the jurisdiction, and the domain of darkness. But what does Christ do? He sets us free. Look at this. He has delivered us. It's not by my own doing. It is Christ's work that delivers us from the domain of darkness. And then what does he do further? Look, he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You talk about good news. No longer am I in the jurisdiction of darkness. Now because of Christ's work delivering me, I am a part of the kingdom of light. No more worry about that the the struggles that darkness brings. And and when I think about those things like darkness, let me give you a list of things. It could be a sin of uh, anxiety. Let me say that. That's different than disorder. I think some of us cling to a, a sin of anxiety, disorder we can't necessarily handle on our own apart from medicine and counseling. But some of us choose to become anxious about everything. It could be the sin of selfishness, the sin of pride. It might be the sin of a lack of self-control. It might be discontentment and un- unthankfulness. And that what we just read about, that we ought to be content in all things. Uh, it might be the sin of anger. It might be the sin of judgmentalism. It might be bitterness. See, I think there's a lot of things that we live with prior to Christ, and guess what? Even after Christ comes into our life, that we hold on to those things, and we say we want to keep one foot in the wrong state. Get me? In the wrong jurisdiction, we choose to still live and cling to darkness when we have been transferred to the kingdom of light. We find freedom. So look at what Christ does next. He says that, Paul says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, that's the benefit. That's the benefit, ultimately. What does it mean to be redeemed? We are no longer bound by that sin nature. Mm. Sin no longer has a total hold on us. Okay? We have been freed from the old nature to do what is right unto the Lord. Where we are not free to not sin, now we are free to not sin. And it is because of the redeeming work of Christ. And then we have the second benefit, the forgiveness of our sins. Mm, good stuff.